On today's show, I'm delighted to welcome Steve Bell onto the podcast. If you're in any way tuned into what's happening with pickleball in the UK, then you're likely to have heard Steve's name. Steve has been prolific in running and planning pickleball events in the UK, so I thought it'd be great to get him onto the show to talk about his vision for pickleball events in the future. Welcome, Steve, to the podcast. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. No, it's, uh, well, we met for the first time just at the weekend a couple of days ago, because uh, we were running one of your events and I turned up. Um, I'm actually booked in for most of your events going forward because you, you've been doing a lot in the South. And I'm very grateful for, me. for your patronage. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, the weekend was great. I uh, really enjoyed it. It's only actually my second um, festival. So I've done one festival in Southampton. I've done the English Open was my second thing, which was quite a big second thing. And then, and then the great. event of the weekend. So uh, yeah, it, it went really well. I don't, how, how was it from your perspective? Uh, well, everything's about like the player feedback. If players aren't happy, then I've done a bad job. If the players are over the moon, then the job is done. And most of it uh, seemed to go very, very well. I've had over 40 messages of appreciation and I haven't had a message yet, touch wood, that uh, has suggested improvements with a critical eye. I go around uh, checking everybody's happy, asking if they're glad they came. And for the most part, everybody was very, very happy. A uh, little, little bit of feedback on maybe walkways in the hall. So I'll be measuring the place out to see if I can fit two rows of the table tennis uh, dividers to try and create that walkway. I suspect there won't be space at the back of the courts if so, uh, which is annoying. But I just need to work on controlling all of the controllables to make the player experience as good as possible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, probably that's one thing, actually. Probably in between, just making a hole between the dividers would help a little bit. I think people were like, hopping over and <laughs> I've lost count of the number of times I heard a divider like, fall over. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind exactly of the other right. thing, just a little, a little gap. It doesn't have to necessarily be a walkway if it can't fit. It's just the gaps, a few yeah. gaps. Sure, Again, the ball will go through occasionally, but... No, the, the ball going through um, is a tolerable uh, outcome, but the dividers are so easily moved I could move them and create a gap and someone playing on that court then closes that gap and then someone mm. steps over it and kicks it over. So, <laughs> and it feels a little bit officious to turn up every time and go, excuse me, I've created a gap there. Uh, so I have to just let it happen. I'm not particularly interested in controlling every single uh, player's activities during the day, but that one has come up. That one has come up. Yeah. You can stick a note on the floor in intentional gap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something else for someone to trip over. <laughs> but no, I really, really enjoyed myself. So thanks for your efforts in putting that together. Uh, the, I, the round robin, yes, first time I've done a round robin as well um, at the weekend. That went, that went really well. That was really fun because you got to know the people that you were around robbing in with and having a proper chat. Whereas, you know, normally you just turn up for one game, play a game and don't get a chance because you're standing around for a few matches, you know, watching. So that was something I didn't really think of and expect from getting getting out of that, you know, being able to meet some people and spend some time speaking with them. So, yeah. Mm. Really I good. hope it wasn't a few matches that you were standing around for. I try to keep the player numbers down so that you're not off for more than a game in between playing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But there's, well, I don't know, what four matches maybe over the course of the thing that you're 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 standing to one side, right? Um, talking to the other people. That oh, are you mean during the round robin? Side. Yes. Yeah, during yeah, the round robin. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 Schedule it so in a group of eight, there are seven people that aren't you. You play with each of them once, so you play seven out of fourteen games, and you play against everyone else twice. Yeah. Yeah. That so worked. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Anyway, oh, enough man. about this 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 event. Um, 
tell us a little bit about where it all began for you in terms of pickleball like when did you first hear about pickleball hi mark mars here i hope you're enjoying the show this podcast is sponsored in part by the pickleball addiction store and newsletter to support the show please check out the pickleball addiction store at pickleballaddiction.co where we stock a wide range of paddles balls nets and other accessories use coupon code pod 10 that's p-o-d-1-0 to get 10 percent off your first purchase You can also check out the Pickleball Addiction newsletter at pickleballaddiction.news where we cover the latest news in pickleball from the UK and around the world. Thanks for your support and now back to the show. And and yeah, tell us a little bit about that. The cookies found me, I think. I've got a squash coaching badge. Uh, I played a decent amount of racket sports as a youngster. Uh, I, I... it was an early adopter in paddle in the UK because at the oh. time uh, that it sort of it was introduced, uh, the Triangle Leisure Centre where we were uh, on Sunday, they built a court quite early doors. Um, so my normal squash partner and I jumped on and became a doubles pair uh, in the inaugural uh, round robin of the league there. And then I organised for the triangle to have a team entered into regionals uh, with the LTA. <clears throat> uh, and so I've got uh, effectively the internet knows I like racket sports. So then what happened, uh, World Pickleball Day was coming around October last year and the internet decided that I was a likely candidate for this to be promoted to everywhere on social media. So it came up three or four times. My knee gives me a bit of trouble now. I'll turn 40 in a couple of months. So... Uh, I needed a racket sport that I could play more than three times a week without my knee imploding and squash is not that sport anymore yeah. sadly so uh, went along to World Pickleball Day in Bex Hill uh, Rachel's running a great day and Chris and Karen uh, were there as well I'd swapped a couple of messages with Karen beforehand uh, was invited down to join in and like so many other people I'm sure this will resonate within 10 minutes I was like this is absolutely amazing I want more please and so yeah. it very quickly snowballed uh, so yeah and I, I play most of my pickleball is in Chris and Karen's back garden losing to Chris at singles <laughs> oh god singles well that's not good for the knee for sure <laughs> yeah exactly Okay, so I didn't even realise they had a paddle court at the Triangle. I'd have gone to have a look if I'd known. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just out of the windows next to the Costa. It, yeah, it's, and it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah, excellent. So you've been playing since last stop. How long have you been playing then? Yeah, so uh, it'll be a year in about a week. Oh, okay. There you go. For some reason, I thought you were 18 months or so. But yeah, a year and a week. Okay. Nice. And... Um, so when did you decide that you wanted to do more than just play pickleball and start running events and, and that kind of thing? Well, probably around February, uh, I'd been to Epsom Doubles League uh, a couple of times and I, I wanted to play something else. Uh, after a few months off, the local uh, club play, if you like, was great. But I wanted to test myself. Um, there, were, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are still plenty of players in the Eastbourne group that are miles better than me. But I want, you know, the events normally in the other sports they get tiered by ability. You can go off and play new people, so it's great for socialising. Um, but I, I couldn't really find very much at the time, and very conveniently because I was playing in Chris and Karen's back garden, uh, I just asked them about uh, events. Um, and it was quite a long way because there weren't that many it was quite a long way to go to get to one 
Um, so yeah. uh, I did a little bit as a youngster at university, organizing a few events, uh, campus brand manager for a few uh, companies. Right. Um, and I, was, I used to be heavily involved in Ultimate Frisbee a long time ago. Something right, else right. my knee won't let me do. Anymore. But um, so I, you know, suggested like, would I be able to organize one? Uh, they were very receptive and helped me out massively. I couldn't have done the first couple of events, uh, Burgess Hill in May and Guildford in June without them and like just wouldn't have got off the ground. So um, it was mainly born out of being a frustrated player wanting to go to events. Hmm. Uh, and then the irony is once you start running an event, you can't play in that event because you're running it. So stepping on court uh, when someone's got an issue. Uh, and I, I quickly realized, I thought when I did the first one, I thought, oh, I can nip on for a couple of games, but it is really important <clears throat> above all else, the players have a great day. If they're gonna dedicate their spare time and their spare cash to come to something you organize, you've got to give a good service. That's a, just a minimum requisite. And so I realized I, I can't be on court when someone wants to ask a question. Uh, so right at the end, as I was tidying the nets up at the first one, I think I played maybe two games uh, just because we had a bit of time. The center were really good to me. Uh, so I wasn't rushed out at the end. They hadn't, as it, as it happens, nothing was booked on. So I got a bit of extra time at the end. But yeah, so the irony is I built the events because I couldn't play. And now I've built the events. I can't play. <laughs> Yeah, you have to go to someone else's events as well then, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so what's your driving force then behind uh, doing this? Obviously, your driving force initially was because you wanted to have more opportunities to play at, at festivals and at tournaments. Uh, but, yeah. That. Yeah, that, I mean, that is, I get asked this a lot, like, why am I doing it? And I think there's a high suspicion that I'm in it for the cash, but uh, it just like money hasn't motivated me for quite a long time, over a decade now. Uh, and I, I care about the player experience above all else. And so I started off with the idea of creating events that meant players could play more, including myself. But as soon as the first one started and 100 people walked in the door, I realized that it's about <laughs> keeping them happy. Um, and I think there was a little bit of imposter syndrome sliding in as well. So yeah. if I don't keep them happy, um, you know, it starts to weigh me down. So it's it's all about player experience. And I'll give you a few examples to try and show it. So um, first one, uh, I take two colors of tape. I was trying to see if I've got one on the table. I haven't uh, got it, but I've got green tape and yellow tape so that the line it stands out so if the ball color matches the line you can lose it as it crosses the nvz uh when when the serves come in uh it, so i want a ball a tape color different to the ball color uh, i do a ball test at the venue at the start of the event so the first time we went to burgess hill uh wayne jones who runs the pickleball at the triangle club nights um, he suggested beforehand, I used to play paddle with Wayne at the triangle beforehand, uh, so knew him already. He reached out and said, J just wanted to check like what ball are you using because uh, uh, we suggest the red pen. Uh, I'd already spent oh, maybe 80 quid on gammas at this point. So yeah. uh, went along, joined Wayne for one of his club nights and we tested five different balls out maybe a month before uh, the event in May. 
I realised quickly uh, that everybody, including myself, the red pen was by miles the best ball for the surface and the colour of the walls. They're quite yellowy, sandstony walls, and the floor is quite a pale wood. They're going to refloor mm. the triangle in two months' time, actually, as it happens. <coughs> Excuse me. So the, um, the ball test was important. Now, the red pen 26, I'm sure you know, is quite a slow ball. And also it triggers red-green colour blindness issues. So that was a secondary thought. So I made sure that I had red pen 26s in every basket. Even though I'd bought gammas, I then spent another, it was about 75 quid, uh, on some red pen 26s because I want ball options that, match, that make the player experience a bit better, mm. even though I already had a bunch of gammas. So that was one. Um, the Nets is another one. The first two um, uh, events were with Pickleball England, who are fabulous, obviously. Everybody in Pickleball knows this. It's impossible not to. Um, uh, but the, the Franklin Nets are, are great. Um, but in my uh, chats with a few other companies, Diadem just launched this um, you know, heavier-duty, more robust, tensioned uh, net product, uh, but, you know, quite rightly, rather than being 150 quid, the, each of the nets is 300 pounds. Mm. So uh, I ended up signing my first event sponsorship deal uh, maybe two weeks ago, uh, which in included the nets for um, uh, Sunday. But instead of receiving money from a sponsor, which is what people generally tend to think event organizers get, mm. I ended up paying four figures to the sponsor um, and the sponsorship structure meant that I got a discount on these really nice uh, nets. Plus, mm -hmm. they're not even really out. Uh, they're not even really out yet. Uh, Rob Williams of Advanced Pickleball just uh, did a review of the nets, and like quite correctly has identified, like the nets are brilliant, but they are massive. Like the bag to carry it isn't yeah. boot friendly. So, but I went over to the uh, Framework Sports warehouse and built two of them in the middle of their warehouse while they're carrying stock out to vans around me and framework were brilliant about it but i basically just got in their way for two or three hours chatting to them <laughs> because i wanted to know the nets were perfect before committing and so built a couple and you can put them up quickly you can take them down quickly but they're 300 pounds each so that there's a financial headache there that wasn't even a decision for me pay the money have the best nets Mm -hmm. So um, that's how that deal comes about. But if I was motivated by the money, I'd have the cheaper other nets instead and then just carry on. Because players don't see them side by side, right? You can't see the really, really good box steel net next to the perfectly tolerable uh, tubular steel net. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily notice, but I, I've seen them, you know, next to each other. And I feel like if I want to run the best possible event for the best possible player experience, I have to fork out the money on the nicer gear. So it wasn't even a decision. So, uh, did a sponsorship, uh, deal, gave away retail exclusivity in that and still, you know, spent four figures on some decent gear so that the event runs nicer for players. So that's what, um, that's what drives me is the highlights are when players, as they're leaving the hall, and a lot of people did this on Sunday, just like really, really appreciative of their experience. They're saying thank you with energy and enthusiasm. That means that I know that they're glad they allocated their precious spare time and their you know uh, precious spare cash to towards something that I put on. And that's the high. Like it is such a high as well. Like absolutely love it. 
Mm. So that's the motivation. Or, or yeah. Also, like I've got long hours. So there were 10 and a half hours of, of 11 courts available. Um, and I kind of roughly calculated that I didn't really want to go over 120 and um, sort of standard calculations that were suggested from multiple people was you can get away with 12 a court because that would be one game on, two games off when it's at its busiest. But it's not always at its busiest. People turn up late, people go home early, people go for lunch. Uh, and so you get away with 12 uh, and people are happy with that. And I was thinking about it um, and while it was open. We, we set 120 even though... Um, you know, uh, 11 courts at 12 per court would be 132 max. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't want it that high. So I cut it down a bit. Uh, the sole objective there is get the wait times down, have a few less people there, which, you know, that means less revenue for the event. But so long as I know that I can cover my costs and I don't lose my shirt on organizing an event, that's good enough. So cut the, um, cut the numbers down and then... I was thinking about it. it, it got to, I had messaged Karen, where are we at? Um, and uh, she said 113. And I was thinking, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily want it to get to 120. So we closed it at 113. And I was you know, happy enough with that. At 113, the venue co costs are covered. My consumables, I overbuy on bananas. I've got about 60 bananas sitting in the kitchen at the moment. Um, <laughs> so anybody nearby, uh, I live near Battle. Uh, if you're nearby and you want 20 bananas, you are very welcome to pop by and grab them. Um, so I overbuy on the, the consumables as well. I'm literally, I've leaned my a couple of sheets of notes uh, for this that I made last night at about 1 a.m. I've leaned it up against a box that has maybe 20 packs of biscuits left over from the event. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was like, do you want some biscuits? Do you want some biscuits to anybody still around it? Sort of, you know, <laughs> up our six as we were making our way out into the car park, trying to give them away. Um, so th these things uh, are, are what matters. I want to make sure I over provide so that there's no room for a, you know, what effectively becomes a paying customer. But I see them more as players because uh, I also play. But you can't give bad service and it feels so hollow to do so. So uh, the first one I charged £35 for because I didn't really know the market. I didn't know how it would go. Um, and I was worried about it not breaking even. It was the first one as well. So I charged £35 and two people fed back. 35 feels a bit steep. Uh, so, OK, well, if that's the perception by anyone, never it wasn't ma massively common and it had 100 people there. But it wasn't hugely uh, common, but it was enough that for the next one, I dropped it to 30 because if there's a player perception that I am charging too much for an event, it's more important to get rid of that perception than it is to try and take an extra fiver off of, off of people. Um, and I'm pretty confident in based on the oversubscription of this one and getting 100, you know, six months ago, five months ago, uh, getting 100 people at the previous price point, I probably could have sold just as many places with the extra fiver on it but it would have felt a little bit unnecessary and itchy to do so. Um, so yeah, um, but well, having then capped it at 113, I got a bunch of messages. Oh, I was about to try and sign up. So it ended up at 120 anyway, because uh, I can't say no to people. So yeah. players, especially players that had been to Burgess Hill in May or Guildford in June and you know, messaging me saying, oh, I, I was going to sign up. So yes, I can definitely, I can, I can find a space for you. So I was really glad that I closed it early yeah. because it gave me a bit of flexibility to not have to say no to people. Um, 
And so, yeah, it ended up at uh, 120, you know, despite me closing it at 113. Uh, but mm. I don't want players stood off court waiting and then thinking, this is a bit rubbish. I'd rather be on court again. Uh, and at the end of the day, you probably saw, you can verify this or not, like most people were absolutely shattered. They were broken yeah. because they had played game on, game off for some of them te over 10 hours. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to provide. Like walking out of the hall, like wow, that was great. That was it was good value, great experience. I'm so glad I came to one of Steve's events. I'll come to another one. That's but you know, not to sell in places, just to give good experiences. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I can say that I was there early and and went right to the end and burned about four and a half thousand calories. So that, you know, that definitely, uh, definitely uh, had a lot of game time. So yeah, it was definitely a, a case that didn't spend much time waiting around um so yeah i think you calculated those numbers uh, bang on um in terms of the okay, diadem nets that's good to hear in terms of the diadem nets they were great um and probably you didn't get a chance to properly play with them but i can say from playing with them you know that tension across the top really makes a difference because you know when you're playing with the you know the standard nets that everyone has you know when the, when the ball hits the top of the net at some pace it'll kind of trick sometimes trickle over like and you think well that should that should never have quite got over but it did and yeah. although that's quite fun sometimes you know because that's part of the game and it's fun you know when the balls were Sorry, hitting this with a big smile on the face <laughs> you know when they yeah exactly <laughs> but when these balls were hitting these tape the tapes on the on these because the tape was quite thick as well they just the ball just wasn't yeah. going over you know you had to clear it <laughs> Um, or if it did, so, it clips it like a net cord, you know, a proper yeah. net cord. It'll clip it. bounces it off. And yeah. then travel. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, good job. Um, yeah, well, it's really good to Thank hear some of the background and the insight into, like, what it takes to, like, get it all set up and the, the attention to detail that you've got. I mean, in terms of money, like, I, I, my perception is that pickleball, pe people in pickleball are cheap, like, right now. Like, I think... If you, I mean, obviously you're covering your costs and it's not about money and all of those kind of things, that's fine. You know, if you want to continue to iterate and improve your events, you know, I don't think there's anything to feel guilty about, about building up a bit of a bank balance to be able to kind of do that and achieve that um, as well. Um, but, you know, everyone I talk to, you know, the, 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 the expectations on how much they pay for a club or how much they pay to go to a festival or how much they pay for coaching all feels incredibly cheap for me and maybe that's because there's not enough people who really are taking it seriously where the price will kind of go up and uh, and that kind of thing but for me every it seems like everyone's like it just they just want everything for next to nothing i mean i take my kids to the cinema i've got three kids and a family it's like something like 70 quid for like for 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 yeah. an hour and a half worth of time 35 pounds to play foot like to play pickleball all day long that sounds like no, a deal to me time, i took it down yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I know if it had been, uh, it's three pounds an hour, right? What do you want? What yeah, more do you uh, want? <laughs> but if this is what the market wants, then this is what yeah. is my obligation uh, and also desire uh, to provide. And I can cover my costs at thirty, so I will charge thirty. I was I was confident that it would sell past a hundred the second time round because I had a similar experience of everyone being over the moon that they came the first time in Burgess Hill. So hopefully, one, a bunch of those come back, but two, there'll be a bit of word of mouth at clubs where the players that turn up to one of my events go back and then when they're playing with their mates that didn't come on a Thursday night or a Sunday afternoon, I went to uh, the Sussex Pickleball Festival on Sunday, uh, you know, 
played over 10 hours. It was just 30 quid. Uh, the nets were really good. These um, tangible examples of the event being good can become hopefully talking points and the word of mouth increases the, uh, the demand. Um, but because I didn't have the nets obviously last time, but because the feedback was largely positive the first time round and I dropped the price, I, I felt confident that I could get past 100, um, you know, cover costs, etc. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, I'll, I'll charge 30, my costs are covered, there's no need to gouge people for another fiver. Um, that's not, and also, even if I end up with another five pounds, uh, you know, across another hundred people, and there's five pound, five hundred pounds more sitting in my bank balance, it it feel hollow. Like I wouldn't be that uh, comfortable. Like it it'd be itchy to do so. Like I, I, you know, that's mm. not um, my value set. Like I, I, I've realised it very quickly morphed from maybe I'll be able to play if I run a couple of events. I'll be able to play to oh, I'm a customer service provider now and I am providing a customer service. And, mm -hmm. and you know, something, something quite quickly changed where it became about provision. Um, uh, so I don't, I, you know, I don't mind admitting, uh, made a few hundred quid from Sunday, but I mean, there were well over 100 hours that went in just me. And so if you divided what I earn from the event by the hours that I put in, it's something around the five pound an hour mark. Um, and I, I, I private tutor, sorry, I teach uh, in a, um, a school not too far from Burgess Hill as it happens. Um, but I private tutor as well. Um, and depending on how close to London or how far I have to travel up towards London, um, I charge between 60 and 100 pounds an hour for my time. I've got you know a decade's worth of examining experience and, uh, you know, uh, 14, 15 years of teaching on A-level syllabus. Uh, so these um, uh, experiences mean that I'm technically quite marketable, although again, imposter syndrome kicks in. Like I don't feel comfortable charging this kind of money to turn up to people's houses. But again, customer service provision, the, all of the demand for that is word of mouth. I'm not on any of the agencies or websites. It's just a family that I worked with a few years ago is at a dinner party on a Friday evening. Uh, you know, one of the mums or dads has got a kid struggling with business or economics A level uh, or a little bit of GCSE sometimes. And, you know, one of the others has, has you know, had me work for them and they're like, you've definitely got to give Steve, Steve Beal a call. And I just get a random uh, text or WhatsApp. Um, and I've had to say no to a couple of new clients that I could get, you know, turn up to their house and charge over £60 an hour for. And instead, um, slog out putting an event on. But when I say slog, I say it a bit cheekily because I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. It's so mm. much fun. And it has turned on a part of my brain that has been dormant because you're constantly juggling, especially on the day. You're juggling like 40 different things in the background. Um, trivial stuff. Are the biscuits topped up? Um, <laughs> is, the, is the water urn emptying? I was carrying you know, that urn uh, that, that you would get in the water out because it got to the bottom, lugging it out to Costa. And they'd had a flood. The Costa staff were a little bit grumpy. They'd yeah, had a flood yeah. in there. So annoyingly i can't offer hot drinks and this bugged me a lot during the day i can't offer hot drinks because there's a costa in the venue and i quite like it if there's a costa in the venue i don't want to um offer hot drinks specifically if i did i wouldn't charge for them it'd be built into the event price but um it, there's a cafe there so the venue says like you know you can't turn up and give people coffee we're trying to sell you know we're trying to sell costa 
So um, I didn't have provisions because Costa was going to be open and then Costa was no coffee all day. So I know of at least five players that disappeared for half an hour to go and uh, pop up to, there's a Harrison Hall uh, cafe in the nearby Tesco, but that shouldn't be necessary. Like I should run that event better. I shouldn't be letting it happen that customers, uh, if that's even the right word, players really, because they came to play, right? have to leave the venue to go and get a coffee. So that annoyed me. Um, there was no solution to it at all because I wasn't allowed to turn up with coffee, so I didn't. And then all of a sudden, stuff. we don't have access to hot water. So you think, oh, pop to Tesco and get some instant, but we don't have access to boiling water. So you know, it, it was, and at the time at which it could have been solvable, there's uh, myself and Simon Farr who ran the board perfectly all day. He's incredible, honestly, the man mm. is mm. so, He's a top quality human being and incredibly good at doing whatever is in front of him. Like, I'm so lucky to be working with him. But so Simon's running the board and I'm dealing with player queries, you know, uh, greeting people at this stage as well. Um, and my wife, Natalie, who came along a bit later, would have been there earlier. Um, but uh, she was up until 3 a.m. in uh, A&E with my daughter who chipped a front tooth falling over. Um, uh, you know, so she took a lie in, obviously. Uh, and so there was only the two of us there. And so even trying to solve that coffee debacle, if you like, was a nightmare. It bothered me. No one complained about it because no, you know, oh, there's there's a Costa there. No, they haven't got any coffee. Clearly beyond my control, but still nagged. Like you know, it's can I get the player's experience perfect? And on this occasion, already it's nine thirty, and already the answer to that is no. Um, and it sucks. Well, you know what? I didn't even put that or anything on. I didn't even think about that you might have hot drinks. I went to a Costa. They didn't have any coffee. It was their fault. I didn't even think about it. I, I had a water or whatever instead. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, so juggling, juggling the, the various things. The, the only reason I've mentioned Costa was, you know, filling the urn up, topping the biscuits up. Um, players, you know, quite rightly asking questions, common question. Um, not so much from people who came in May, but when can I get into a round robin? Uh, and so I'm like, I'm going to do, do it about lunch, about tw you know, 12, half 12. I'll take a bunch of names down um, and I won't do it informally. It was deliberately informal because the first time in May, around 40% of the players attending wanted the round robin. And I think there was a much greater number of players, greater proportion that were at their first festival, nervous about competitive play, or a round robin sounds a bit daunting. And so I wanted it to be optional. And as it happened at the first one, um, it wasn't hugely taken up, which worked fine. I just needed an, the number of players that wanted in, in on the round robin to be divisible by eight, which again is a bit of a juggling act. Yeah. Um, but luckily, if you get a few players who aren't sure then you, you can use them. So, you know, if you don't like it, I'll step in. And uh, in May, hilariously, no injuries all morning. And within 15 minutes of starting the round robin, where I need each player to play all seven games for the schedule to work, four people, like, pulled a hammy, tweaked a calf, turned an oh, ankle, really? and disappeared. <laughs> and even so, yeah, that. so the round robin started to implode. But luckily, I'd made a note of the people that were asking questions about it, and so then went and found them and said, do you fancy, look, someone's fallen over in the round robin. The other seven in the group will just be grateful for you making up the eight. Like it, and that, so at that stage, players are like, oh, yeah, sounds great. And then afterwards, they're like, the round robin was brilliant. Thanks so much. Yeah. What I then, so, so it, you know, solving little things like that on an ongoing basis. What I didn't factor in was because the round robin had got, gone well 
five months ago. A little bit of that, but a lot of Telford and um, other festivals, Milton Keynes, Cambridge, Southampton. So uh, lots of the players turning up to festivals now have got much more of a desire, you know, hunger for a bit of competitive play. So mm -hmm. where it was around f just, just over 40% of the players attending in May wanted the round robin, it was over 80% of the players on Sunday wanted the round robin. And so that ate into court space. And so again, I'm juggling a problem because I don't want to run out of courts for rec play because I've still got some players left that want to, that don't want in on the round robin. But if a player wants in on the round robin, I can't not give them the round robin. So I've given myself, so I run it informally and so I'll take some names at some stage because people would sign up uh, typically what my experience or what my fear is is someone signs up at nine o'clock uh, or say 8 30 and then plays four hours game on game off game on game off and then at half past one when I'm finalizing the admin for the round robins they say oh no I'm too tired to play a round robin now and so I've built an eight which is about to run and I'm now unpicking what I've built whilst also Levin Court someone knocks a ping pong barrier over over there go check <laughs> on them have they hurt themselves Someone else says that the, um, uh, the can I borrow this uh, paddle? I had um, four Holbrook paddles and three Selkirk paddles. Um, again, I wanted the play experience better, so I sent an email to a, a bunch of the you know established uh, pickleball brands running a, a couple of events. Would you be interested in uh, throwing a bit of gear? So uh, I'll put a banner up. So there was a Holbrook banner, a Selkirk banner, and a Diadem banner up you know up on the wall. Uh, people will try your products out. I'll have the demo. There'll be demo paddles. Like, you know, I could have just, I mean, it would never enter my head to do so. It would be desirable to do so. But I could have just taken four bats from Holbrook and three bats from Selkirk and just, like, sold them. Uh, you know, stuck a, a, a slightly discounted price on it and sold them. But uh, they all came out. Uh, they got uh, played with by the players. Um, and so there's a, you know, it's something else. Like, you can't even really buy a Holbrook paddle in the UK that I'm aware of. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, the lady at Hol Holbrook is like so nice just sends me over four paddles um, I must admit that as a business and economics uh, teacher I am embarrassed to have not clocked the import duty and so FedEx emailing me on a random Tuesday morning you owe us 350 uh, pounds please uh, that much? You know, just to, to, yeah to import the value of the goods because they're, they were marked up at their full retail cost. And so um, I had a bit of shipping costs um, and the value, the sort of the retail value. I, I had to pay 25% of the retail value of each of the products that had turned up. So I paid like, I, th I can't remember the exact number for that item, but I paid like something stupid, like 15 pounds, might've even been uh, 20, for the banner that I didn't want to put up for Selkirk's benefit, which, you know, mm. hilarious, because everything was marked up with a value against it. Yeah. So, you know, my mistake, my cost to swallow, uh, agreed, but I wanted to be able to lay a few bats out and say, do you wanna, do you wanna try a bat? This was at a stage before I had uh, paired up with Framework Sports because uh, Harvey at Framework is absolutely excellent. Um, and so he's got the diadem uh, paddles out now for people to try. And they went out and came back in all day long. Again, just trying to get the player experience right. Uh, and it was it was a joy to watch. Um, and so 
having that, but I'd already promised Selkirk and Holbrook I'd you know make their paddles available and put their banners up on the wall before agreement framework. So for two or three events, um, two for uh, two for Selkirk and three for Holbrook, the, the uh, paddles can be available for demo when the banner goes up, and then it'll all be framework and diadem uh, because Harvey's in the room to give people advice like how do you play? You know, do, do you? third shot drop or third shot drive oh if you're driving there's a bit more power here's the power model um do you try and put a lot of spin on it uh here's the edge 18k these types of things he's much better at it than i am i've butchered uh um (laughs) yeah you know what i mean so there's a bit more to the player experience than turn up like put your magnet on the board go play a game come back to the board magnet down magnet immediately back up you know, mm-hmm. wait, wait for a court, um, go play your game, right, you've had a few, go home. And like, that's fine, sure, but I'm just trying to make it better. So yeah. getting framework in the room makes it better. Having a few paddles from Selkirk and Holbrook makes it a bit better. Keeping the biscuits and the bananas topped up makes it a bit better. So just constantly running around doing all of those things. Um, and annoyingly, that precluded being able to somehow... Uh, you know, phone up Uber and say, do you have a Costa delivery person who can bring me a hundred coffees at 11 o'clock? Um, I mean, th- there is no Uber in that area. We're not close enough to London, but you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. So for, for the listeners who, you know, what events do you have coming up over the next 12 months or so that, you know, you've already confirmed? Well, so uh, yeah, uh, that one on Sunday was the first of uh, a run, but there's a gap. I've got November 18th uh, in Wickham. Uh, it's called the Wickham Duper Dash. It's now the Diadem Duper Dash um, because pairing up with uh, Framework after Sunday, they've asked if they can put their name on some stuff. And again, uh, no, you know, not after any extra cash, but handily, Duper Dash and Diadem all start with D, D so that yeah. works nicely. Um, that one's already that one filled. I I needed exactly sixty four for that one. I've got so eight courts, game on, game off for six hours, uh, one pm to seven pm. Um, and it will be game on, game off. So um, everyone's throwing their duper rating in or their duper ID in beforehand. Um, one of the things I've got a little bit, sorry, I know you asked about events, but uh, while we're talking about duper, um, there's such a, a, a culture in the sport where people are either in the wrong division or whinging about someone else being in the wrong division. And like, not yeah. wrongly either, like it is annoying. Um, I didn't really mind, but a couple of guys gave me an absolute tonking at at Telford. And I think they knew that they were in the wrong division. Now, it was blatantly, completely innocent. Um, The uh, 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 men's doubles pair walked off with, um, you know, gold in the men's and one took gold and one took silver in the singles the day before as well. Um, But I now know them. They clearly were not, I think sandbagging is the term. They were not doing that, but it's so early that the data isn't there for us to get the gradings right. And if you're going to, again, same thing I was talking about, like if somebody's going to bother to travel two hours down a motorway to come to one of my events, same thing. You travel, say, two or three hours. I drove five hours to get to Telford on the Wednesday. Got into, got into the hotel at 3 p.m. At 3.15, Chris Mitchell's ringing me, come and help build the court dividers, you lazy, you know. So you get down there and I'm building those uh, court dividers for about four hours. We were all throwing them together and throwing them out on court. Yeah. Don't mind at all. Like, you know, joy to be involved. It, it was great. Um, but, uh, you know, you've slept up the motorway for five hours. 
you want even games. You want you know tight matches. You want to feel even if you lose, like losing doesn't bother me. Playing badly bothers me. But if you are up against someone so much uh, better, or the same thing, if they're not as good, the game's already kind of decided. If you're if you're more than you know 0 0.5, 0 0.8 on duper away from each other, it's very difficult to get a decent game out of it. So the duper yeah. dash was built uh, for November 18th to try and increase the data. I've done a bunch of online meetings um, with the Duper people to make myself a club director and added nine other uh, club organisers into the picklebee.co.uk uh, Duper club, if you like. Mm. So uh, Vanessa Hannam at Cranbrook is doing a couple of nights where the, the scores are going to go into Duper. As an organiser, she and Wayne Jones at Burgess Hill, uh, Dean Aldred up at Eton, um, a couple of Jenny Simpson down at Portsmouth, uh, etc., uh, can jump onto Duper uh, after they've played a club night and then just enter four players' names, click submit, and it, uh, those players get some Duper data. Obviously, mm. it's agreed in the room beforehand that it's going onto Duper. You can't have people just cowboy hijacking other players' uh, scores. Um, I have a little chat about you know what Duper have said to me with each of them beforehand, but we need data in the system to avoid the tournaments and the events having this problem where people aren't self-rating accurately, not because they're actively trying, but some people are filled with humility and downrate themselves because they don't. I'm probably closer to this than, but some people see someone else at a higher rate and think I'm as good as that and then rate themselves a bit higher. And again, there's no malice or ill thought to it. It's just we need empirical data. How did you play against other people? So for us to have that, we need events where the scores are going into duper. I must admit, I am guilty. And another thing that bugged me greatly, uh, running the uh, first Guildford event in June through Pickleball England um, had um, uh, made duper submission relevant the score submissions uh all the round robin scores came in fine but by the time we got to the knockouts people were writing on the sheets win and loss and i was moving them from a quarter to a semi but there were maybe i don't know 10 scores where i didn't i had the 11 because obviously you know who wins gets 11 uh, the stuff i'm doing at the moment for, for scheduling and for clarity i'm doing Game to 11, win by one. And then if it's a bigger game, you might do best of three. Uh, or if I know the schedule's tight, I might do game to 15, win by one. But win by one's helpful because sudden death is a bit exciting. But also the um, calculating net scores means that if you do uh, points scored as a tiebreaker after the win-loss, if you've got the same wins and losses and then I go to points scored... If you've got the same wins losses, all your wins are irrelevant because if you won four and they won four, you've both got 44 points. So I can mm. quickly add up the points scored in the games lost to try and determine between two teams in a round robin. And then if that's the same, who beat who in the head-to-head? -head? So, I mean? And yeah. that's then a way of getting out of the group stage and into the playoff stage. Um, another element, I don't have knockouts. No one gets knocked out at a tournament of mine. If you lose your quarter, you play other losing quarter finalists in your bracket semi, and then mm -hmm. you win or lose your semi, you play a final. So everyone gets a quarter, a semi, and a final. It just not, might not be the semi and the final for yeah. the, you know, to win it overall.
Um, and it's a, it's a good way to try and guarantee people a minimum number of games. Again, if you get in your car and drive two hours and you turn up and you've paid me for the annoyance to do so and you're using up this valuable spare time, the least I can do is make sure you play your way out of the playoffs all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the Wickham Duper Dash, the Diadem Duper Dash, that one is, on November 18th is to try and trigger data submission to Duper so players have got more results. Um, and there's another another thing we've, we've seen. I was surprised by this. We've seen several players really resistant to having duper scores go in. No, I don't want my rating ruined. But you're playing oh, in the right. game. Like if the, <laughs> if the if the duper if you have a good game or a bad game, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you have enough games. The duper data becomes more reliable. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know it, it's. Um, you ju- I, I think I see it probably now more so from a tournament organizer's perspective than a player's perspective. So that might have uh, twisted my perception of it. Um, but I, 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 I was surprised at the reluctance of players to pl- to have scores submitted to Dupa. Um, if, if, and I'm not saying just out of nowhere, we've played five rec games right now, one's going on Dupa. I'm saying before a week before the event happens, I'm, one, I'm not going to go and tell someone they're worse than they think they are, obviously, um, or that they could have been perceived as sandbagging by a bunch of the players that have just been smiling at them and tapping paddles with them at the end of the game. Um, so the data would solve a lot of this and make events better for players. And that, I think, is one of the things that's necessary to try and fuel the growth of the sport. That One of the things that's talked about a lot, growth of the sport, growth of the sport. Agreed. But quite often it's talked about in a really intangible way and my brain just doesn't work like that if we're gonna grow it what's necessary to get the next stage of growth one events every weekend we need multiple events in multiple places every weekend so players have choice you can choose not to play pickleball that weekend but you're more likely to choose to play pickleball on any given weekend because there's a good event that suits you in terms of location format cost you know, a bunch of factors that will influence you as a, not even a pickleball player, just as a human with a spare Saturday. Mm-hmm. Do I go and play pickleball or do I, you know, watch the Premier League or bowling or, you know, walk along the coast, etc. All of these activities have value. Um, but I think most pickleball players generally like to choose pickleball if they can. And so I want to be part of making it possible for them to do so. Um, but if I run some competitive tournaments, Duper data is necessary. It's got to become culturally more more significant to pickleball players that want to enter, enter tournaments. What's your duper ID? And these scores will go into duper as a normal thing, rather than well, no, the duper data only goes in from you know nationals, English Open, and a couple of other big things. Um, so yeah, I've got. Um, a bit of a chip on my shoulder I think that has revealed where we need the data so uh, um, I'd like to try and get to a stage where there is more duper data so November 18th this is miles away from your question sorry (laughs) November 18th is um, uh, Wickham Leisure Centre that one I've got exactly 64 rotated in so there'll be divisions of probably eight playing at the same time across two courts so four divisions of eight will play a game They'll come yeah. off, and the other four divisions of eight will play a game. Then, so you, you know, you're either on or you're off based on which division you're in, and that will run for six hours, one till seven. Again, it was a short stint because the location of the venue is so good, 
and the venue i've been been in there always like you got to do a venue uh, site visit beforehand to check you know what it looks like go in there the runoff is um plentiful the location of the venue is great uh, as far as i'm aware no one's been there before for a you know pickleball event but you know i could be wrong it's only like my awareness isn't uh, i'm not aware of uh, an event going there beforehand um, so if we discover another venue that can host pickleball events, um, you know, I'll probably go back. Um, but the, uh, I mean, the parking's annoying. Um, so again, like doing research, you pa- you pa- you go in and you park in this multi-story next to the venue. You pay one pound ten. If you want to stay more than four hours, it claims that you have to pay fifteen pounds for more mm. than four hours. Well, my event six hours. So, uh, but established with the venue beforehand, you can go into reception pay three pounds for an all-day extension come back out put that on your car but like what an absolute faff so in the event description so that it's right there at the start no one gets surprised by it uh, before anyone signed up the description next to the product that you're buying it says like apologies but there's this parking faff pay 110 go in and get an extension for three quid go back to your car again sorry mm. uh, put the extension on your dash then come in and play so please don't turn up at 12:50 for a one o'clock game thinking that you'll be able to get on court unless yeah. you're willing to pay needlessly the extra, what's that, £10.10, uh, £10.90, sorry. Uh, you know, cause it, you can get it for four ten. Otherwise, if you're doing it just in the car park, you'll pay 15 out of, you know, being too tight for time. Like, people don't want to do that. If it, It's not going to be the same people that are telling me 35 is too much for a festival that are happy to pay 15 in a multi-story. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things um just again trying to get them right so yeah duper data from the duper dash 64 then november 26th hampshire pickleball festival eight court venue seven courts for play one for admin just like we had at uh, burgess hill on sunday need an area for players to stand at that one uh whereas the runoff's plentiful at wickham so i can use all eight i've got eight courts and we're using them all but there's room around uh, to stand and congregate there's room just outside the door um that one should be tolerable to use all eight courts but again if it turns out that that's a bit annoying standing against the wall um look plenty of um uh, events have this you know sitting on benches against the wall bit less less of a runner for the players um, but if that's annoying i won't do that next time i'll just use seven of the courts and always have a spare court so that one's a tester for is there a format where i can use all of the courts in the venue or do i always need one court dead um mm. so then hampshire pickle festival got one dead court so uh that one's seven courts so i've capped that one at, i think it's about 72 that um uh, for that one again didn't want to go to the full 11 uh the, the full 12 12 players per court, one on, two off. Um, but that's, again, longer hours, um, so plenty of play. Um, I th- are you coming down to Haven for that one on November 26th? I am, 26th? yeah. I am, yeah. I'll be there. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be there. Um, and feedback, always welcome. Like, I say to players, I'm always walking around, like, if there's something that would make it better, please tell me. I promise I won't be sensitive. I won't cry until you're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but play, oh, you've got to tell me if there's something you know that could make it better um, and so uh, commonly uh, stuff that gets mentioned like we I said earlier the walkways um, and there's a couple of little spots on the floor at the triangle that always get mentioned um, which are annoying 100% they are annoying and it does bug me but they're reflooring the place in December so that shouldn't ever be a problem again so I've booked in at um, the triangle for I think it's April 26th uh, some sometime around there unpublished for a couple of months yet because uh, I've got uh, Hampshire Pickleball Festival that one filled and 
Wickham and Hampshire, they filled so quickly. Uh, and I was I spent probably a week just fielding emails and WhatsApp messages. Like if I get yeah. to know someone, I try and move it to WhatsApp friendly as soon as possible. Um, WhatsApp messages. I was going to come to Hampshire. Have you got any space? Um, and it got to a stage where I couldn't even say I'll add you to the waiting list because the waiting list, it was never, you know, th- there aren't enough people ever going to drop out uh, yeah. that that waiting list will become re- uh, significantly relevant. Uh, so that one. Then uh, December 30th, we, uh, we're going to Southampton. Um, South- uh, Southampton is the first one that I'll be laying all of the bits of the court in tape rather than just adding an on volley zone to a badminton court. I like badminton courts, played a bit of badminton as a youngster um, and it's less tape to lay down, but also it just feels like a bit to me, it feels a bit more like a pickleball court playing on a, you know, the permanent lines of the badminton court sit there. It just feels a bit closer, but loads and loads of pickleball is happening on tennis courts. So on uh, December 30th, we're going to try that out. That one's a festival. Um, but the courts January there in 6th. Southampton are, are great, and uh, I have a much, much bigger preference to that than a than a badminton hall or, or whatever. Like it, to, really? to, oh. to go, yeah, to be on an outdoor surface with a like a outdoor yeah. ball for me, it's like a different game, and I just prefer well, hundred percent. So um, the the reason that uh, this has been slotted in is uh, had a, um, a conversation with Thaddeus Locke about it. You know what are the what are the better players like? I'm not good enough for my view to be relevant. And the better players, yeah, like you just said, outdoor surface, you know, the wood floors, it changes the game too much. Um, you yeah. need fast ball rather than slower ball. And so it's a completely different game. Um, she said it again, much better than I have. I've butchered uh, the quote, but um, <laughs> she was, I mean, she's so lovely and like gave me loads and loads of detail uh, and really took the time to explain it to me, you know, so that I would uh, appreciate it. Um, so that's why the Southampton event uh, exists now is because apparently there is a decent uh, pref- a decent volume of the players that prefer you know fully taped out on the acrylic rather than on the wood floor so uh, there's Southampton and then uh, annoyingly uh, the next two are on wood but then uh, there's one after that so uh, the next three are on wood after that so January 6th we're going to um, new venue um, I used to work at a private school with a very nice sports centre with eight badminton courts marked out um, it's a lovely venue with lots of space around the sides. Um, so I've tapped up a couple of old work colleagues and got myself in there for January 6th. Um, I've still got to pass the safeguarding check, though. But as I work in a school, I'm optimistic that that should go well. Uh, if it goes badly, it's going to cost me more than that event. Uh, the, the, so you know, where's the, the January 6th one? Uh, it's a, a Beads Senior School, which is uh, in, a, in a little village called Dicker near Housham. So it's the closest town would be Housham. And if you don't know where Housham is, the closest town would be Eastbourne. But it's sort of like 20 minutes north of Eastbourne into the countryside. Like around Housham, there's a lovely area of just nothing. So it's all countryside. And I'm actually halfway between Housham and Battle. And if you look on it and look at a map, there's just a bunch of green. There's, you know, if I have to explain to people where I live, uh, it goes... Fodor Street, nope. Darlington, nope. Ashburnham, nope. Uh, <laughs> and then Battle. Oh, yeah. The, how about the Hastings? What's that near? Hastings. All right. Yeah, fine. Hastings. Uh, yeah. So explaining where I am is quite a challenge sometimes. Then January 7th, Guildford Gender Doubles Day with Diadem. That is uh, at Surrey Sports Park. Uh, that's where the one at the start of June was. 
lovely venue uh, one of the pricier places to go for sure but worth it it's just such a nice hall they have a lot of the um, bbl uh, british basketball league and the university basketball league they've got very good um the university has a very good men's basketball team there um so it's a really really nice hall and then january 21st rallies at the regis um again diadem sponsoring that one too that one's in bogner that one was born out of club director or you know club leader saying, "Can I have something nearer me, please?" Well, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Um, Bogner, I suspect I will struggle to fill that one based purely on location. Like I've put it near someone who asked for an event to go near them. Uh, again, I just can't say no to people. But like you know, if players ask me for something, it's I just feel this you know need to satisfy um, and. <laughs> So there's one in Bogner. Um, I suspect, if I'm honest, I'll probably that one is one where I'll probably end up taking a bit of a bath on it. I, 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 I like to cover my costs. Once I've covered my costs, I'm pretty chilled, and I'll happily spend the you know large amounts of the rest on, for example, spare biscuits, spare bananas, better nets, um, you know, whatever it takes uh, to try and make it good. Uh, longer hours. So I like I on Sunday it turned out that the centre originally had the place from uh half eight set up for a nine o'clock start, I think. Um and they were like, It's free beforehand if you want it and I was like, Yes, absolutely. So I'll always extend the hours to try and give the players more play. So that, there's another example. Um that one I think I don't know if I'll necessarily you know, have enough players turning up to Bogner to cover the venue costs and the other costs that go with it. Um, but, uh, you know, it just nets off against one of the other ones. And it's nice to try and offer something in a location near a bunch of players. The Aaron Pickleball Club is a really well run and, you know, it's a good club. It's friendly, it's well organised, they have loads of sessions. I promoted a little bit of Aaron's activity because I'm friendly with a few of the people down there now. I promoted a bit of Aaron's activity on my fledgling Instagram account. I'm not particularly good at social media, but I had to put an Instagram account together for the picklebee.co.uk stuff. Um, so a few photos of their sessions have gone on. Uh, they're all they're all fabulous. There were seven of the Aaron players there on Sunday, and they were all in their blue Aaron shirts as well. Um, and so. If they're going to support the other events by turning up, I can't not run an event on their doorstep if they ask. It's only <laughs> fair. Then January 27th, Southampton Pickleball event, and that's the 27th and the 28th across the whole weekend. That one is um, 20 courts, festival and uh, tournament side by side. Um, and so in that arena, what I'm going to try and uh, coax, if you like, is just massive... Telford-esque environment, obviously a microscopic version. I'm never going to get near what uh, Karen and the crew managed in Telford. I, I, I've accepted that. Like, I don't have the capacity or, if I'm honest, probably the inclination to take on what was ultimately like a brutally complex organisational behemoth. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, I'll go for the scale of that type of things. I loved it so much. Like the reason that the Nottingham event exists in June with twenty courts um, in the only twenty court hall in the UK. Um, so it's the, uh, you know the largest one where the, the badminton court lines are out already. It's yeah. the only twenty court hall in the UK. So it's a big one, and it's where 
Karen took the English Nationals in 2019. I only found out after having done all the research to find out where the largest <laughs> sports hall was in the UK. Yeah, it took right. me hours. I then mentioned to Karen, she's like, yeah, we had 2019 Nationals there. Yeah, uh, uh, English Open uh, there. Uh, oh, great. Well, yeah, I've just spent hours finding that place, but uh, I'm glad you've found it eight, three years ago, but <laughs> before I even got uh, yeah, anywhere yeah. near it. Um, but yeah, so... Um, you know, that getting a little flavour of what Telford was like, like it was so good. I, it was so I, good. I'm very fortunate. My wife is very, very um, good at getting everything else done while I'm not, and also gives me a freedom pass quite freely as well. She's lovely. Um, you met her yesterday, oh Sunday, sorry. Um, and um, yeah, so she's brilliant. So I got five nights, and that was kind of my summer holiday, if you like, away um, playing pickleball for uh, Wednesday evening, all day Thursday. I played uh, something like eight, eight uh, no, about 10 in the morning we got onto court after they started the um, Duper World Cup thing. Then uh, jumped on court about t uh, five past ten, I think. Uh, rec play all day, wherever the courts weren't being used for everything else. Most other players hadn't turned up for the singles on Friday and the doubles over the weekend yet, so there was plenty of court space. I played almost non-stop from just after ten until gone half past six in the evening with people I knew, with strangers I met courtside. If there were three people stood near a court, I was shamelessly just barreled up to them. Hi, I see there's three of you. Would you can I make a fourth? And every single time I go, 100% yes you can let's play uh, it was amazing um, and I just yeah. it was such a good experience that I want it again I, you know I don't want to wait a year until the next one um, and really frustratingly we'd already booked a holiday to Portugal before I even took pickleball up last October we'd booked to go to Portugal for the week that spans across nationals in Bolton so ah. I won't be at the next opportunity to do to, you know to get what Telford gave us all uh, which was fabulous. So I just, you know, I kind of want to build it so that there are, I know that a lot of other players had the same exhilarating experience as I did at Telford. So like, I want to build it so that players can have that again and again, um, rather than having to wait a decent wedge of time between it. Um, so that's hopefully what Southampton on January 27th and 28th will do is build that mini Telford experience so that there's, you know, so much going on across 20 courts that you can't help but meet a bunch of new people, play a bunch of, you know, get, uh, games. Um, and then Feb 3rd, 4th, which is the very next weekend, 12 courts in uh, Aldersley, which is in Wolverhampton. Um, and that one is uh, tournament, competitive uh, tournament play. It's called Dinking in the Midlands. That one's on the Pickleball England uh, website for, uh, um, for, you know, for signing up. Um, and so it's, it's at the start of February. We're at the start of October now. So it's four months away and it is way over half full. I think it might even have passed 75% capacity now in terms of... So I've, I've calculated number of courts, number of hours... So, you know, sort of. If you don't, if you go three games an hour on each court, four players on it on court each game. Um, you, get, you can have the courts for I think it's about nine hours um, during the day. So you multiply it up for a number of player spaces. I always want to guarantee players get a minimum of six games at any of the big stuff. Um, so then you divide that down and you're like, right, what can I get away with in terms of player numbers and how evenly distributed do I need it to not let a player down without giving them the guaranteed sixth game? Which, I mean, that's just a non-starter. Like the idea of giving someone less games. Um, I'll jump on court and uh, play against them if they if they're about to get five games. I, you know, it has to matter as well. Um, yeah. 
an interesting example of that when we did the tournament in uh june in um guildford uh, I had a division of six teams uh, in in Group A, if you like, and five teams in Group B. Um, and then uh, I had a cancellation the night before, on like the Friday, which killed off one pair. So that took it down to five and five. So I'd been worried about the division with five. Now I've got five and five. Um, then uh, on the morning of at 9 a.m., the game started at 9 a.m. after they'd, I, I got in there at seven set the courts up and there was like an, an hour and three quarters of rec play, warm up, knocking up, etc. Um, but the obviously at quarter past seven, I'd only built two courts. So the rec play was gradual, but by 7.45, there were seven courts available and people were rec playing. It all, all the competition started at nine. By 9.15, I had a no-show at nine, which killed another pair. So now I'm down to a five and a four. And then in the in the group that had four teams in it, someone turned an ankle badly um and so you know first aid on the court um and while i would like to think that i could have gone and been helpful um i'm first aid trained etc like three other people got there before me and did a much better job than i would have done straight away you know uh nursed her uh, um sorted that out but now i've got a division of three it was six yesterday morning and now i've got a division with three teams in it so the problem with having three teams, while two of them are playing each other, one of them sat around doing nothing. So you're losing court time mm -hmm. and they won't play as many games. So I'm about to give players a nightmare, you know, rubbish experience. And one of the uh, teams had traveled like four hours to be there as well, it, you know, which surprised me. So um, what I did was in the teams from the other division, I rotated them to play games where it didn't count in the division that had enough. So there's a division with five teams in it because I couldn't move them because they'd already played their first games. I couldn't just go, oh, I've got a five and a three. I'll, t I'll make that into two fours. Like play had started, we had results. It was just, it, it didn't work within the schedule to be able to do that. So I got the teams from the other division to play games against teams in the division that now had three, one at a time where, so, um, in, with three, A plays B, C's off. So C played some one of the teams from the other group in the same division. So it was uh, you know another mixed pair at three point five. So the it, it you know it didn't matter for the other teams filling in the other team filling in, but it did matter in the division of three. Bear in mind at the time, like the games are ongoing, and I have to have this rotated for. Not, this happens at uh, I think this was in the first game. It wasn't even nine fifteen. The next games are going to start at 9.20, but that's in a different division because so, you, you don't play consecutive games, you get too tired. So I've got, say, 25 minutes before the guys from this division are back on court. So I ha it's a little bit on the clock trying to solve it. So I quickly rewrote the division so that all of the teams in the, in the division of three will play competitive games all the way through. So there was A playing B, C plays one from the other division, A versus C, B plays one from the other division, B versus C, and A plays one from the other division. There was one more slot. So A played one of the teams from the other division, and so did B play a different one, and C played another one. And it just about worked. But... It felt great when players afterwards were like, how did you even do that? That was awesome. Like we looked at it and we're like, that is going to suck all day long. Um, and that's the high. Like that's where it feels like, you know, there's there's value in that. Like being not able, it's, it's not about it's not about me, but like having the players walk off just being like, that is awesome. I'm so glad I came. That's where that's where the real value is. 
Um, and so with the Dinkin in the Midlands uh, scheduling, I've been a bit more careful to make sure I've got as much as I can built in contingencies. Now, it's really difficult to contingency plan for one cancels Friday, one doesn't turn up Saturday morning, one injures themselves 15 minutes later in the first game Saturday morning. Like that's difficult to contingency plan for, but I'm trying to build in what I can. Um, and I think being on the Pickleball England uh, site has helped with demand, but so uh, an event four months away has um, got over well over 100 people signed up. And when you scroll down the list, because the player list is available on, on the Pickleball England website next to where you register, you can see who's there. You can filter it by division. Um, and so I can quite quickly identify how close to 24 I am in any given division because I, I won't go over 24 in any division. And a couple of those divisions have got very, very close already. Um, and we're miles away from it. Uh, yeah. And I've only, I haven't even published like half the stuff I've just listed. Like you can't sign up to the January 6th one yet. Um, all, all the others... All the others are available, but the, the one on January 6th, I haven't even published yet, but the one in February yeah. is nearly full. So um, that's good. And that I mean, again, just. Yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah, I mean, the number of events going up, it shows there's the demand, demand for them. So yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. So the, the events, are events 100% your focus at the moment? Or are you working on the other things in Pickleball? It sounds uh, like that's keeping you pretty busy. <laughs> my serve, uh, returning <laughs> deeper, forehand, Backhand, third shot drop, third shot drive. Generally, being less lame on court are the other things I'm focusing on in pickleball. Probably, <laughs> we have to have a game next time, as, or at some point. Yeah, we'd, I've not. Yeah, yeah. yeah we could have, well, have a game. you say like focus on in pickleball. So, like, I teach. I private tutor. We're mm. on a farm. Um, we run an Airbnb. Um, I mean, there. It's. It's not a lifestyle that leaves a lot of time for idle hands. Uh, so I, I'm pretty busy most of the waking hours. And yeah. so in terms of doing anything else in pickleball, um, if I'm going to do a decent job of running a few events, that's the maximum amount of, uh, you know, I don't want to do three things okay. I'd rather do one thing ideally quite well yeah. um, rather than, you know, doing a few things tolerably. Um, so it, I, I'd say like, Running events is uh, now becoming the focus, but uh, annoying and annoyingly, it has eaten into my playtime. Uh, I know uh, talking to Karen, like Telford was such a high effort tariff to get that going. Um, you know, I'm sure Karen won't mind me saying that like, she played less in the build-up to Telford as a result of putting so much into running that event. And everyone says like brilliantly run event. Uh, but that doesn't come for free. It cost her so much of her time to put that event together. Um, and we all turned up, enjoyed it. And, um, you know, probably didn't see too much of her because she was such, like running the event mm. during the event took so much. Um, so I, I learned from see, seeing that, that if I'm going to run an event, I definitely can't still have ambitions of playing. So there was a stage where I was thinking about trying to be one of the 64 in Wickham uh, for the Diadem Duper Dash, but uh, that is just an absolute non-starter. You, you have to be available all the time. You can't be 5-3 down in a game against somebody who's going to take the mickey out of you if you, be, if you lose to them. Um, 
and then just go, oh, I'm ever so sorry. I've just got to run and solve this problem. You know, mm. uh, they want to be, they want to, they're going to want to finish you off sort of thing. So that, that uh, okay. yeah, it's, right. it takes a lot to get a decent event run. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, so going forward, how do you see events and festivals evolving in the UK over the next few years? And I guess also, you know, what, what are your aspirations for, for events? I guess they're, they're going to be tied together, right? You know, what's your longer term vision for the events and how you'd like to evolve them? <laughs> I, at the moment, I've said it so many times, I sound like a broken record, but I just want players to be glad they came. And if I am still running events in the, as you say, long-term future, um, if, I, if I'm still running events in the future, hopefully that means I've done a decent enough job of keeping the players that come happy that they did so. Uh, yeah. In terms of what the sport might look like, I think if it looks anything like the it does over in the States now, here if that, it looks like that here, then that's a win because mm. you, you know, it, I, it is my intention to go over there next year, uh, play in as many different places as possible um one of the guys that i play with every now and then is a pilot so i'm definitely like going to uh, apply some highly aggressive aggressive not even passive aggressive just aggressive pressure on him to add me to his um people that travel for next to nothing list so we can go over and just all of his down route time we'll just go play 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 mm -hmm. um uh but uh, I'll also uh, note down how far into the chat we are. And then so hour 13, right, I'll make sure he listens to at least this bit, if not the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I want to go over there and get experience playing like that. Uh, they obviously, the weather makes a big difference. They've got so many outdoor courts and getting a roof over a court ends up being quite important. And that's why we're in leisure centres so much. We, and leisure centres are multi-purpose, so we're competing for space all the time. Like every time I phone a centre up, they're like, "I can do you September 2024," um, and that doesn't really, you know, I've got probably the best part of 20 grand tied up in venue bookings at the moment, and I can't book September 2024. No, quite rightly, no one's going to want to commit to going in September 2024. The take up for Nottingham in June has been quite slow initially because it's eight months away. Like it's ridiculous, but I couldn't get the, be the you know, the, the, what I think is the best indoor uh, hall um, uh, nationally with the badminton courts laid out. I couldn't get it if I wasn't willing to commit a decent wedge of the uh, booking fee up front to secure the venue for that. Also, um, because it has been used as an English Open venue with high quality, positive player feedback from when they did that event back then, um, I wanted it. So you you know, you you got to pay for it. The outdoor, I won't touch an outdoor event in the UK because the risk of it you getting rained off and just chucked into whatever indoor foyer or clubhouse or pavilion is nearby is just too high and as i've been harping on about the whole time like it's such a rubbish experience for players to pay money travel in and then like have you know the weather ruin it so that's not my bag at all yeah. so if it looks like it does in america but with a roof over it ideal yeah that'd be amazing i think the future is probably indoors as well even in the u.s because I, I went to arizona a couple of weeks ago and played outdoor on some where they were they hosted a ppa competition before and an indoor oh, nice. and actually and actually the indoor was uh i actually preferred it i thought the the outdoor would be the, the you know the epitome of like you know the peak of what you could do especially on ppa 
where they played a PPA tournament, right? Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the weather does affect it. There was slight wind. It wasn't much, but I can imagine if it was more wind, it'd be worse. But, you know, that, that affects the ball, like moving around because it's so light. Um, the, the sun gets in the way. Um, just being outdoor, actually, there, there is some complications to that. And I went to an indoor air conditioned facility, which had outdoor style courts. Um, and that was just epic. Somehow, it, because it was it was so beautifully, uh, it, was, it was brand new as well, which helped, but it was just pristine. Yeah. And um, just being indoor and, and not having all the elements uh, of the, out of outdoor, that, that actually was even better. So I think there'll be more indoor even going forward, even in the US. They've got the space for the outdoor. That's why they do it. It's easier, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's great. I should point out that I sound a bit ungrateful because I like almost all of the pickleball that I play is in fact outdoor in Chris and Karen's back garden, pretty much. Uh, I don't play many other places mm. than that with any regularity. So I do enjoy outdoor pickleball, but when you're just turning up for you know, like, I'll go around and we'll play singles or we'll get two other people involved. Uh, hopefully Karen, if she, if she's not too busy uh, and one other um, and play in their back garden it's quite low tariff to organize so if it falls apart yeah. because it rains the night before the court's a bit wet or it's going to rain during the day or the wind is over 15 kilometers an hour you know any of these things it's not the end of the world to kill it off so i, lo I do like playing outdoors but i can't have 100 people sign up for an event where <laughs> a drop of rain ruins all of that admin well there would be enough courts you'd be all around one court like waiting to get on yeah. a number of yeah. outdoor courts in the uk at the moment well, there's, okay. There's 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 quite a few. You can you could probably mark out courts. There's some decent outdoor tape. That's you could true. probably mark out outdoor courts the way the way we we're going to do in Southampton, where you're on tennis courts. You're marking just probably just under four pickleball courts per tennis court. But when the tennis courts are consecutive, you know you can you you can say get ten courts across three. Uh, ten, 10 pickleball courts across three tennis courts because there's you know you can slide across so you get nearly four per court because uh, having a decent runoff again rather than squeezing 12 courts into the area we're going to try and have 10 so there's a bit more space between the courts the balls roll across each other it, the court next to you a bit less and also you're not so worried about the court next to you as you run to try and uh, laser an atp in or um something similar where you're off the side of the court so having a bit more space um you know matters but you could do that outdoors but i just wouldn't the uh, weather would get, the weather would get me and it would upset me okay all right thanks for thanks for sharing all that steve i mean we're running at nearly an hour and 20 so far so i think we'll we'll have some closing questions and then and we'll wrap it up if that's okay um so yeah, no, what is your your favorite memory since taking on this challenge within pickleball or just starting to pickleball wow in I'll tell you what was powerful recently, actually. Wendy McGurran, who is one of the loveliest humans you can possibly hope to meet, as she was leaving on Sunday, said, I could easily tear up at this as well. Like she said, like, the first festival in May, she came and uh, her, uh, uh, Wendy and Jeanette played um, all day together. And uh, she was saying that th that festival was what gave them the confidence to go up to Telford. Um, and they had such a great time at Telford. And I just think, like... If it's having that kind of a difference, if it's making that kind of a difference or having that kind of an effect on players, like they come to something I've run, they enjoy it so much that it influences their decisions to go to other stuff for the better. And then the experiences they get there, there's like a cascading effect as well. 
And one, Wendy's so nice anyway, but she said it in such a lovely way that like I was properly working hard to just keep it in check. <laughs> and she felt, thank you so much for saying it because that time, that stuff's quite powerful. And so the most vivid memory is one from just a couple of days ago where a player was so grateful that the events existed and but the knock-on effect had been more than just coming along to my event, having a good time, going home and telling a couple of mates. Um, and Wendy and Jeanette are just so lovely. They play together all day because they're now practicing for when they go up to Bolton and play at nationals. And so mm. running the board, every time they put their magnets in, they were paired up together So and they could play together all day letting the players choose who they play with who they play against on you know on an ongoing basis and just have this unexpected benefit and a lot of people as they'd been walking out of the hall towards the end of the day had already been saying like brilliant event i i i'm not perceiving it that way i'm just merely quoting what people were saying to me and hopefully you'll verify that that was the mood in the room was that the event was run really well this was what the feedback was and i you know, I don't like it. It sounds arrogant for me to say it, but this was what was happening. People were walking out of the room, like really well run event. Thanks so much. And so I was on this absolute high already from a bunch of people saying how much fun they'd had. <coughs> Excuse me. And so as they then uh, filed out, when Wendy like very nearly just tipped me over the edge with this, uh, you know, <laughs> high emotion uh, gratitude of like, we're so glad you're doing this. Like, uh, and so that's probably the highest it's been for me um, in terms of uh, like, you know, running events, uh, pickleball wise. Um, I haven't got good enough at pickleball yet to have a, the equivalent moment on court. Um, I played a lot of racket sports over the years and I don't mind admitting I, I find the play I've got I haven't got to, gotten very good at pickleball it's far slower progress than every other racket sport I've ever played than my progress on the pickleball court and I'm not particularly good at the others either um, but uh, I, you know I feel like I was competitive at uh, particularly squash uh, but paddle tennis as well bef at a much earlier stage mm. um, we then moved house and there's no paddle court uh, until Crowbridge just opened and Tumbridge just opened there wasn't a paddle court when we moved for like nearly an hour in any dire direction our closest was Rye which is where the first paddle court in the UK was um, so I couldn't play paddle so that's largely disappeared um, from my routine um, but I felt like I was better at paddle at an earlier stage than I am a year into pickleball and just still like just absolutely, you know, fumbling around the court, trying to get the ball back over the net without popping it up so high that it comes back at me at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's interesting, actually, to say that, because you know, generally pickleball is viewed as being a more accessible of, of, of the sports, of the racket sports, but... Yeah, okay. Oh, very, very easy to learn, but just brutally difficult to gain any mastery of mm. the intricacies. The game completely changed. So the first few weeks I came along, started playing, loved it, loved it. And then I started playing with better players. And I'm at a stage now where on court with 3.5s, I feel comfortable. I'm not dominant, not by any means, but like I'm comfortable and I can play. I step on court with a 4.0 and I get taught that I am very much limited at a 3.5. Uh, <laughs> I can't compete with players that are playing at a 4.0 level, not, not even close. Yeah, and it's yeah. a noticeable difference. Like the way the game plays um, is completely different. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, what's, what's the one question you wish I'd asked? That I haven't asked. 
Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you said, yeah, uh, uh, I wrote down. Oh, I wrote down a couple. Am I limited to one? Go on, I go for it. Um, so, uh, like, biggest challenge. Uh, you, could, uh, you could have asked me a bit, like, what the biggest challenge was. And I think uh, keeping the other people in the sport happy. I'm a new uh, person trying to do something for pickleball. Um, and trying to not be perceived as disruptive uh, has been a bit of a challenge. Um, the nicest surprise uh, was that the sports home court uh, in England is only 27 minutes away from me in Selmston. That was that's pretty handy. Um, I wrote down like my current struggle. What I'm really like struggling with is like this running of events has grown enough now that I can't do what I'm trying to do and also teach and also private tutor and also run an Airbnb and also run a farm and you know the juggling act has been quite challenging um so i need to uh share and um i've met a lot of wonderful people in pickleball but finding someone who shares your value set uh closely enough that you trust them to prioritize player experience above everything else for example um that's been uh you know challenge like i found that um there are plenty of uh people want to uh do an event um but the enthusiasm drops when i make it clear that i don't particularly care about the financial element of it i don't want to lose my shirt but i'm not trying to make thousands of pounds it's not an income like i i, I pay my bills by teaching and private tutoring um and so the conversation starts to get awkward and at times suspicious like it it, it feels weird to have to say it so many times mm. but you run an event that's popular and immediately the conversation moves to money mm. and i you know i'm struggling to try and um you know just do my thing without being you know perceived as money grabbing and you know hopefully i run you run enough good events um and you know fork out a load of take on sponsorship but still fork out a load of money to get the better nets um new balls at the start of every event even though i'm building up now like there's a bunch of used balls um uh, uh sitting there i'll use them uh maybe for a bit of festival play i'm you know th i might uh give a few away so, uh, you know the i was recently involved in a uh, chat with my local club because i had a bunch of balls but this is before i knew i was going to be able to get new balls for all events they were about to buy some new balls. So I offered to sell them my old balls, but the price of balls has come down. So now I think I'm likely to just give them 20 balls. Um, right, you know, the, but the conversation, I was like, I've got a few, but I had obviously those first balls, I paid three pound a ball uh, for, uh, for those in the first place. And they'd been used for one day. Um, I put new balls out on Sunday. That was another thing, player feedback. I had, um, Gammas with a ball of choice in the ball test at Guildford uh, tested four different balls out uh, that one and uh, on the Sunday I hadn't clocked that you needed new balls and a couple of the better players said you got the same balls out as yesterday haven't you I said yeah completely ignorant of the need to put new ones out no you really should have put new ones out this morning so I quickly whipped them whipped around and took in the old balls in one bag and fished out new ones and chucked them out in the baskets in the other one um, but it was probably half past 11 in the morning by then. So some of Sunday's play had had, you know, mm. other balls in and again, like an annoying, an, an, an annoying one, but the balls were sitting there may as well have got used. But now, I mean, there's an attrition rate. Some of them disappear. 
only to be tolerated, I guess. But uh, a bunch of balls come back, and I've got some sort of like used balls sitting there. But it's quite important to me to use new ones. So um, even though that costs money, and conversations that I've been in have indicated, well, let's save a bit of money where we can. And that's not my bag at all. So like finding someone who is perfectly happy to spend the extra money on something that may not even make any difference. That's uh, the, the, the current struggle. Um, I think that's why I get on so well uh, with Simon Farr and I'm talking to a couple of other people because I, I need a team, if you like. Um, mm. And the, conversa- the nature of the conversation goes a completely different way when you find someone who is just, it's about the pickleball. And um, mm. Simon, is, more so than anybody else that I've spoken to, it's just like 100%, it's all about the pickleball. Like, it doesn't have to be a business. It could just be an activity now i should qualify that like i can afford to say that a lot of people need to earn from the time they put into something um and i'm incredibly fortunate that i can afford to put some time in and like i said i made a few hundred quid from uh sunday night but for the time i put in there was a net loss compared to the you know the opportunity cost of what i could have done putting the same effort into my normal bread and butter which there's plenty of demand for than the normal day-to-day activity i'm significantly worse off in terms of earnings i could have gained mm. and if i'm going to pair up with people and share the load if that's the way i'm doing it then it's almost going to be a case of that's the way. So if somebody, if we share an event, I'm, I'm doing an event jointly with Simon Farr and Rich Toms in uh, Southampton. The, the, both of the Southampton events are with them. Um, and at the early stage, I was like, I'm not focused. Like if it means that we you know, spend some money buying something better out of the kitty, I will want to. So if that's not okay, let's not do it because you know, I won't want to not, it'll matter to me too much. We'll fall out if you're like, no, I want to keep that 500 quid for us Mm. afterwards. Like we'll Mm. definitely fall out because I will want to make the event better. Mm. Um, And I think uh, this, a couple of good examples uh, in a different uh, instance is like um, Karen added at the English Open so many cool little extras like the photo booth and the montage and um, these, you know, sort of, uh, not unnecessary devalues them, but like she didn't have to do them and they cost a bit to put together, but did them anyway to make the event better. This is, yeah. the, this is the type of uh, difference. I think this is a good example of, you know, caring about the event more than you care about walking off with a payday. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, the reason I'm laboring the point is because I am in so many conversations that come blatantly from a position of suspicion that my struggle at the moment, finding other people who share this uh, value set and aren't uh, financially focused, but also trying to get people to even understand, or it's like I'm trying to convince them, like, you know, that, you know, it's a suspicious set of lies. These are the conversations that I'm in are really awkward. And um, so I think like, if you're gonna ask a question about that, it's probably a good job that you didn't so that it didn't consume a greater part of the session, but. (laughs) Um, I just want to lay on good events and it seems to be that this is something that several people find highly suspicious Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I don't yeah I I'm trying to find other people who are of the same mind and therefore we can do wonderful things Um, and also it means that afterwards 
the, the discussion process about putting the money into the next event or shout, you know, do we want some out or something? Like at the moment, I'm saving up everything that I made on Sunday is ring fenced for building a court and I will not reach the cost of building a court. So like my own, per fund, not just money made in pickleball to fund a pickleball court, but I will put courts at mine. Um, I've, got, I've got a bit of space. So I'll put courts at mine, but the groundworks alone will, you know, tens of thousands of pounds and then you're gonna paint on top and install yeah. nets, etc. Um, fencing, um, I, you know, I've looked into it and it's shockingly uh, high cost for what it is you end up with. You go from a flat patch of grass to a flat pickleball court and it costs you 40 grand to do so. Sounds mental, but if you want to do it properly and you yeah. don't want any camber or contouring in the court for a true bounce, that's what it takes. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's um, probably the current... Uh, uh, thing uh, and yeah again uh, this is one of the reasons I'm quite happy pairing up with uh, framework uh, was like the getting the nets off of them was key the nets aren't even properly available yet um, and being able to almost be the first to pre or second I suppose Rob Williams had one and has done some coaching sessions with one uh, he took it up to Eton and uh, he coaches up in Eton uh, quite regularly and he coaches at Aldershot and Farnham and um, you know all over that home counties area and he's using that net um, and he's you know the review he wrote uh, pretty much nailed it it's great but big um, but that's what it takes to make a nice net so having that um, but it cost it cost me a lot to get hold of those nets rather than taking some money off of a sponsor yeah um, people like i'm talking to people explaining that and they're like nah no <laughs> like you're paying your sponsor like you're you must be stupid like what's wrong with you uh but i wanted the nets yeah yeah anyway just the way it is the way it works it's not as yeah it's not as <laughs> as rosy as some people think in terms of sponsorships and stuff but anyway okay i'm gonna put you on the spot uh now so a little bit um so sam bassford when i had him on um said that we should come, come up with a come up with a tradition on the podcast um a bit similar to stephen bartlett's nice. tradition although if you did into stephen bartlett's podcast where he asks a question but he doesn't know who it's for at the end of the podcast um he as he put me on the spot i said well we'll do that then and uh, i forgot to do it with rob nunnery who was the who was last on the the uh the episode but i'll do it with you instead um, so the, the, the question that Sam has is, what is the one thing that you would change about pickleball? And he said there was just some prerequisites yeah. there. It could be anything. It could be the rules. It could be the anything about changing about pickleball. But you can't just say, oh, I'd like to work full time in pickleball. Go for it. Oh no, I I don't want to work full time. I I, I want to <laughs> run some events. But if it becomes full time, it'll start to feel like work. No, like, yeah, that wouldn't be on the list um also if it becomes work it becomes much more financially like you rely on it financially so i don't think turning it into work is an ambition uh but I, before you even gave me the caveats i had it straight away i changed the flipping name really right like when you oh when you explain it to people their eyes just turn like the name ruins the first impression first impressions matter so much and the name gets mocked. People refer to it as Piddleball or, you know, they mispronounce it on purpose just to wind you up. And annoyingly, it just, it's <laughs> such a great sport with such a lame name that you're working hard 
to convince whoever you're talking to that this is the best racket sport out there. Um, the guy that I play squash with every Thursday night, and we're, um, we, uh, we were uh, paddle um, doubles pair, um, uh, Sam, he uh, has jumped onto uh, the pickleball courts. Uh, well, it's a short tennis court, but the triangle let us book it and uh, play uh, pickleball on it. Um, and so on Thursday, we play about 80 minutes um, uh, of squash, maybe up to two hours of squash, and then we're knackered. And so rather than going home to our wives, we jump onto uh, one of the badminton courts with a, a drop net, uh, and it plays quite well. Um, so I've introduced him to pickleball and but like he's played a lot of racket sports a decent squash player good good paddle player um and even getting him to on board for the next racket sport that should be an easy sell and as soon as you say the name there's just this double take it it needs <laughs> but you know it's it's never going to happen the sport's too big and you know i'm yeah. not in power but like yeah if you're magically changing one thing there's no rule that needs changing in my view. Uh, it, it works great. I'm also not a good enough player to understand how a, you know one of the more niche rule changes would actually impact play. I could make a fool of myself suggesting something utterly impractical that would ruin it. But the, the name of the sport, if it had a more palatable name, I think initial impressions would be far more favorable. Hmm. Yeah, I think I've heard, I don't hear people say that. I, I mean, for me it makes it memorable as well and people go oh i've heard you know because you know yeah just some some boring name would be maybe less memorable but um yeah i think it's got you know what minuses, is. So. you know what tennis is yeah you know what is, a, is, is a squash a silly name too ping pong the table tennis i mean ping pong is a silly name too right if you put it maybe way, so. maybe yeah yeah fair but, yeah but. can't disagree with that <laughs> okay um so I think, well, we need a question from you then as well for the next person to really put you on the spot again. Um, for, yeah. Oh, that's a great opportunity for market research. This, um, what's the most important uh, aspect that influences your satisfaction when you turn up to a pickleball event? <laughs> nice one. That's good. That's very, very topical. Excellent. All right. Well, that'll be for the, for the next person, whoever they are. Um, so... Last but not least, um, if people want to find you and get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, so I've just um, started to move my stuff to a website. It's picklebee.co.uk. Uh, so it's the word pickleball without the all. Uh, pickleball, um, you know, without the A-L-L -L at the end. Picklebee.co.uk. Uh, on that website, uh, several of the events are available, um, and I've got an Instagram account with the same name, picklebee.co.uk. Um, I've also, um, I was getting quite a lot of queries about when are your events, what's going on, and so referring them to the website, because there's an events calendar in the menu at the bottom of the website. There's a bunch of, uh, they're called uh, collections, but there's a bunch of the events available for people to browse and um, you know sign up to. On there, and at the bottom, there's an events calendar. Um, but uh, people like Facebook, don't they? So I've got a group on Facebook called uh, UK Pickleball Events, uh, and you can tell it because it's got the blue walls of Surrey Sports Park around seven courts of play. I took the photo during the event in Guildford at the start of June, um, and that'll be where details of events goes up. So joining that Facebook group, jump adding 
picklebee.co.uk to your favorites um and uh you know f- is it following on instagram i'm i'm so bad at social media um <laughs> yeah. but yeah uh, picklebee.co.uk is generally where the uh information is it's where all the updates when a, when an event's released i'll put it on each of those three places the website the facebook group um i also so i'm steve beale and my facebook profile because i wasn't particularly active on social media beforehand most of the things on my feed are friends tagging me in photos that they've taken um until this so like my own personal facebook feed has become pickleball activity being posted by me as me there is a picklebee.co.uk facebook account but i realized that like I will grow that, but it'll be secondary to my own Facebook account. So if you're not my friend on Facebook already, like add me, uh, and I will obviously confirm. Um, so yeah, so those are the main ones. Uh, if you've got any tips on other thing places I should be, then uh, do let me know. Great. Okay. Well, thanks, Steve, for that, and thanks for coming on to the Pickleball Addiction Podcast. My pleasure. It's a great podcast. I'm really enjoying it. I hope you do like an unlimited number of future episodes. It's it's brilliant. We need more stuff like this. Um, so like a, an absolute pleasure to to get involved. Thank you very much, Steve. <laughs>